And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is the Reverend Bill Shishko. Bill, it's great to have you with us today. Hey, it's great to be back with you again, Dan. Bill, I always uh, think back uh, years ago when the Lord was starting to lead us to start Redeemer Broadcasting, uh, that you were a great encouragement, and we shared the idea with you, and you eventually became one of our advisors, and I want to thank you so very much for your involvement with this ministry over the years. That's my honor, but I'm thankful to you and to Deb and others that do all the, the groundwork on this on Redeemer. We we love Redeemer Broadcasting Network. Glad to be a part of it. <laughs> well, today we have an interesting discussion, and I suppose you could say it's somewhat sensitive, but then again, maybe it's not. And it deals with pornography, real big issue. The listener might say, well, it's, it's not much of an issue. We're all Christians here. <laughs> well, Bill, maybe you can get us started, and from a pastor's perspective. We're dealing with, is it an issue? We're ostriches with our heads in the sand, if we don't think it is. Uh, any, any man that uh, has, a, has at least uh, the ordinary amount of testosterone in his system is going to struggle with sexual lust. Women struggle with sexual temptation. Pornography is not just a problem for men. Um, and, and, I mean, everyone is aware, Dan, about the magnitude of this issue. I, I, looking at the statistics isn't necessary. It's a mega, mega billion dollar industry. Um, it's an industry around the world. It, and, of course, what's been spawned off by its evil is pedophilia and sex trafficking. And, and then what comes that, that, that really is even worse is the, is the desensitizing of people to the reality of this. And I think that's probably why Christians act as if this is not a problem in the Christian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, um, um, let's say 30, 40 years ago, if um, people um, snuck a magazine, a dirty magazine, um, you know, they'd have to make an effort to grab that magazine, you know, whatever. But today, the situation has changed. Uh, how would you describe that? Oh, yeah, that's that's so profound. I mean, in one sense, um, the, the, the pornography of the, of the Playboy magazine that came out of the 1950s, a lot of what was then shocking to people is the kind of stuff that you'll see or read about in, in supermarket checkout yes. lines. And yes. I think and one of the areas that really hit me is a few years ago when I was traveling and I was in a, another country. Actually, this has happened in a couple of countries. I won't mention which they are. But I would get a daily newspaper and I would be stunned on like page two or page three. And there, was, there was frontal nudity, at least top frontal nudity. Mm-hmm. And I, I was aghast. And now, of course, this is not quite the way it is in the United States, but we're getting there. I think the other thing is fascinating with the movie ratings, um, where you can have at least partial nudity in movies that aren't X-rated but R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are all they're all just symptoms of deeper problems. I, I think the point I'd want to make to the listeners is it's very easy to curse the darkness in this area or as any other. And it's extremely important that as Christians we light the candle, so to speak, and never forget 
that the gospel is God's power unto salvation to all who believe its power is even greater uh, than, than the dominion of, of pornography and sexual lust. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that uh, in all probability there's folks listening that secretly have struggled in this area and are carrying a tremendous sense of guilt Um, What have you found, without sharing any confidential information, as a Christian pastor? Yeah. Well, of course, with the the guilt, the promises of God for forgiveness, the obvious one that we we wear out our Bibles with, 1 John 1 and and verse 8 uh, to chapter 2 and verse 2, if we confess our sins, he, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousnesses. And it's in the context of if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And, mm. and uh, I mean, any man, Dan, beginning with the one who's speaking, who, who would say, oh, I just don't struggle with this, is, is quite frankly a liar. Some people may struggle yeah. with it more than others for various reasons. Um, but, I mean, unless there's some major hormonal or, or biological uh, alteration of the body, we're going to struggle with lust. It's why Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, used that as probably the most pointed illustration of, of, um, of sin that comes from the heart and not just from action. Yes, and you're referring to a man lusting after a woman and him drawing uh, the connection with breaking the commandment, commandment. Of, of committing adultery. That's how serious it is. And I think one other thing I know we want to get on to is we should sort of the biblical directives, but your point that you made before, Dan, is so, it, it is so rich with significance. Laws against, against um, criminal activity, laws against things, external conduct that is sinful, does have a restraining effect. That's why the magistrate, the governor, or the leader is to be a minister of God to you for good. And at least when, back in the 50s, there were regulations against selling pornography to minors, you know, the stuff would be hidden behind the counter, whatever it would be. I mean, it was shocking to people, and they'd sell it. Now, all of that is pretty well broken down in, in that any young person can, through the computer, with a few clicks of the mouse, get some of the worst forms of sexual perversion um, and display put right before him. I mean, this is a, this is a, 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 a quantum leap mm. from what it was in the 50s. Right. So uh, let's discuss this today, and I, I hope that our listeners understand that we're not... Um, we have zero desire to be uh, graphic or anything like that, but this is a pastoral issue. Yeah, this exactly. is an issue that, that affects churches, and uh, maybe that part will shock people. But, uh, Bill, maybe you can get us started now on on lines of thought uh, as we really get to the heart of the matter. Sure. Let me, let, yeah, I, I think what I, where I would begin with, as we think this through in a Christian manner, I would begin with the book of 1 Corinthians. Um. Corinth, I know because I've been to the ruins of ancient Corinth. Corinth had um, what, what was known as uh, as an acropolis. It was a it was a market or an agora marketplace, and it had the hill, prominent hill on it, where there was there were temples. In the first century, those temples, at any time of day or night, or that one big temple, at any time of day or night, had available 
male and female prostitutes that were really part of the perverted religious scheme of that day, which is a fascinating study in itself. It's one of the reasons why one wag commenting on the book of First of Corinthians said probably the most amazing statement in the New Testament is the saints of God who are in Corinth, because Corinthian was a description of, of, of all forms of not just sexual perversion and, and licentiousness, but, but all forms of graft and vice. Now, why do I begin there? Well, it's amazing. There was a church there, and, and, and God was building a church. That should be an encouragement to us in a modern Corinth, that God's hands, so to speak, are not tied with respect to, to saving people and keeping them from debauchery. So that's where I would begin. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, and then you can, to, just to develop it, and we can, we can interact about this, is I would urge people to go, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you have an instance of, of incest in the church there, which Paul said was something even the Gentiles didn't practice. So, as in our culture, there are forms of perversion uh, that people from, from many foreign cultures look at it and say, we would never think about this. Even that was common. Now, that's, that's the backdrop to 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 12 through 20, where Paul says, among other things, our bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? He's not just talking about lust here. I mean, he's talking about a giving of the body to another person. And what it's saying is, in this sense, idolatry, that a, a, a Christian is not to give himself to a foreign a foreign deity, one who is not his Lord and his Savior. And then, of course, he begins speaking about marriage, and he says, um, remember, if you join to a prostitute, you become one body with her, that principle, the two will become flesh, it applies. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. That becomes the model of faithfulness for believers. That's critical. We are Christ's. Then he says, then he brings it down to this world. And he says, flee from sexual immorality. And I want to get to that one in just a moment. It's a present, it's, a, it's an imperative. It's a present tense. You keep doing it. Keep fleeing from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Profound, Dan. Um, al- well, I mean, alcohol can, can harm the body, too, but you can stay away from a bottle of vodka or gin or whatever. You cannot stay away from the sexual drives that are part of our body. You mm. just can't do that. That's what puts sexual sin in a different category altogether. Remember, it's a sexual relations are designed as a picture of the intimacy of, of the oneness of Christ and his church. Yeah. So it stands to reason sin in that region, while it's no less forgivable, is far more serious. Anyway, and, and then he says, he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. First thing I would impress upon those who profess faith in Christ, I 
not my own. I am Christ's. I am to do what he tells me to do. That cuts at the root of our culture, and sad to say, even some professing Christian culture that basically says, I'm going to do whatever I want. And the answer is no. First of all, we're Christ's. We do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, if you've been in the church for any length of time, um, you've you've observed, uh, perhaps observed, um, uh, people that have fallen into this particular area of sin, and it has such a devastating effect upon uh, the other members of the body. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a it's a shock, and it and it hurts, and it and it like you're steaming forward for the kingdom of God, as it were, and 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 then something like this happens. It it reminds us how important it is that that as as members of the body of Christ that that we don't give in to this sin and it's and it and none of us are immune from its temptations yeah and 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 keep in mind Dan and I'm not minimizing what you're saying we will sin <laughs> but if, if, if not with actually looking at the images on the screen there will be lust there will be fantasizing and this is a war. I mean, it, it, put, I think when we see what really is a war or ought to be a war with terrorism and the fact that terrorism can attack any place at any time in any way, this is a spiritual terrorism yes. that will destroy us. And, I mean, to, to think we're, we're not going to be in some way affected by this is to live in a fool's paradise. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's why, I, second, second thing I'd, I'd say, it, it, Paul uses, I mentioned the word here, flee from sexual immorality. And, and that is a, it is, a, is a strong term, and it means to run away from, and it means to keep on doing it. Uh, Paul uses the language in Second Timothy 2 and verse 22, when he says to, to Timothy the minister, flee youthful lusts. And, and Dan, I love that text. Because I'm still having having to flee from um, lust that I had to deal with when I was younger, so I must still be a little bit youthful. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's but, right. But see, and and this is where, when the Word of God uses such a strong term, we function with a strong response. Mm. What does it take to run away from the image that comes up on the screen? the billboard we may have to go by every day, the checkout counter that has things that tempt us, or, or, the, or, or, or maybe a sales girl, whatever it would be, you stay away from it. Because why? Because you're Christ. <laughs> and you're, mm. you're not to be playing around with those things that would defile even your relationship to him. Mm. Well, today we're talking about an important subject, um, that is pornography. On the phone line with me is Pastor Bill Shishko, pastor down in Long Island, and um, he's a longtime friend of of me personally and of the ministry here at Redeemer. Uh, This is a serious and important subject for churchmen to consider, that is pornography. Uh, It's a a huge issue. Um, Bill, you've covered the fact that it's a mega-billion-dollar industry and how that... um, just the ordinary goods that we buy are often marketed with images that are that are really not good images. We shouldn't exactly. be uh, feeding our souls on these images. Um, now, the gospel, of course, is more powerful 
than the allures of Satan. Uh, Bill, can you encourage us in this a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and Dan, it's, again, so important. This is not just a matter of saying, I'm not going to do this. Um, the fact of the matter is, even if, again, outwardly we don't fall into the sin of looking at pornography, let alone getting addicted to it, we still struggle with lust. And, and there's where you've got to constantly go to Christ in practical ways. You know, we've got fleeing, remembering, I'm, for a Christian, I'm Christ, I am to flee youthful lust. I think taking Romans 13 and verse 14, which is a gospel passage, and really asking yourself what this means would be of help. Paul says, he uses that, the language of putting on clothing, okay, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's, a Christian is not just someone who's, you know, it's not someone who says, well, I've accepted Jesus into my heart. It's someone who, who trusts in Christ and follows Christ, and, 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 and basically his, he, he or she is to Christ like the, the planets are to the sun. We revolve around him. Well, here Paul breaks that down further and says, put on like a suit of clothes the Lord Jesus Christ Mm. and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And I love to tell people, you know what the Greek word for no means? It means no. <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, but what, is, what does that mean? And I, I personally have found this to be very helpful. The suit of clothes, Dan, that, that I would wear would be different than, than you. Well, your heights are different, our types of labor are different. But we still have to dress up in a way that is suitable for us. A Christian each day has to put Christ on in a way that is going to that is going to help him, enable him or her, strengthen that person in the life and battles he or she faces. So my my following Christ, which includes fleeing youthful lust, my following Christ, which means walking in righteousness, will have a different may have a different appearance than somebody else's right. dressing with Christ. But but it's got to do the job. See, it has to do, if I, if I have to preach, I mean, I'm not going to go up in the pulpit with shorts and with a t-shirt. It, I, I've got to <laughs> wear something that befits what you're doing. Sure. Okay, so, and we haven't even gotten to make no provision for, but but um, but they are connected. Let, let me give you an example. For some people, a program like Covenant Eyes, which is, uh, you know, monitors where you go on the computer and you have an accountability partner, and they see what you what you are watching. And so this is a way of somebody kind of like watching over your shoulder so you don't watch a pornographic site, Covenant Eyes. And, mm-hmm. and, and some people have found that very helpful. Um, in, in, in my case, I, I mean, I, have, I don't have reservations with the idea, but it's, it's a, there's ways to get around that. And you almost can become kind of a... <laughs> You know, kind of a sinister character here, saying, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm using this, but then right. around it." For me, it's things like this: putting on Christ. For me, is my computer screen faces out, my study door is open, as mm-hmm. it is right now, partially. My wife, my kids, they can come in at any time. They see, they can see what I'm watching, and that's a check for me. Uh, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust for me would be something like at night, if I enjoy a glass of wine to relax a bit, I don't go in front of the computer screen. Be- 
because our judgment gets impaired, mm-hmm. and and we all know that this happens. It's just being honest. So I don't, you know, I don't make provision for my flesh to fulfill those lusts, or even staying up late in front of the computer where we get tired and you know, you know our reserves break down. That's an interesting, you know, self denial in many cases means even if I've got a hundred emails I got to work on, I'm going to get some sleep, and so that. That kind of a thing, um, and I, I do believe also, Dan, accountability partners. I think there's wisdom in the statement that particularly someone who has a major problem with pornography um, cannot get through this without being accountable to mm. somebody else, and, and that you can just open up to. So I mean, that's a lot of stuff. But <laughs> putting on Christ and making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts is saying, how do my lusts work in my own being, mm. you know, its own lusts? No provision means exactly that. You, what, to, to, what does it take to stay? I, you know, let me use a personal illustration. Um, years ago, there was a particular store in, in, in Franklin Square where we live uh, that I would frequent on Monday, and they changed staff, and they ended up putting a sales girl in there who was, you know, I don't know, the chemistry... The, the chemistry was too good there when I would see her, just the way she dressed, the way she, and I just didn't go there anymore. That's I mean, right. I didn't, you know, I I didn't want to be whatever. You know, my lusts would have found an opening there. Yes. Making no provision meant I'm just not going there, or might send Margaret to get whatever. See sure. that in that kind of practical thing is where we need to go with all of this, rather than just dealing with abstract concepts. Yes, for sure. Uh, Bill, I, I noticed we have about uh, four or five minutes left uh, to our interview today, to our discussion. Um, I wanted to uh, touch on something. I hope it's okay. And that is, um, uh, in church, um, you know, certainly we're of a tradition that liberty of conscience is very important to us. But also, so is um, modesty and not causing a brother to stumble. Um, I think it's important for the women to realize that uh, modest dress is uh, very appropriate, uh, particularly as you come to church. Uh, the, the last place that a young man or an older man uh, should feel um, um, buffeted by by lustful passions, it seems, is 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 in church. Any comments on that? Um, yeah, my first comment is we're just scratching the surface. I'm going to invite <laughs> myself for another program so we can do part two on this. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> we have the most fundamental principle I haven't even gotten to yet. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, obviously, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's women. I mean, there may be some cases where where women are, you know, really, really are naive about the way of a v-neck dress or you know low-cut hemline might affect a man but let's face it our culture is very much aware of what turns a man on and, and garments are marketed with that in view right and there see putting on the lord jesus christ and making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust is to say i'm not going to be a temptress mm. and i i'm going to however and this is literal dress too I, i'm going to make sure that even my own mindset about what I buy is going to be under the lordship of Christ. It's going to be modest. It's not going to be provocative, and 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 uh, and, and make making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. In my opinion, 
would include something like saying, Mom, um, is this modest? Yeah. Um, or, you know, even Dad, you know, what, what, but, I mean, that's a great question. Warrants a program all of its own. But at least it gets the listeners thinking. Um, Bill, we are almost out of time. Maybe a, one or two references for reading. If someone would like to read more about this and, and seek some help, uh, where might they look? Well, there's the website, XX Church, that you can look up that really is designed to, to help people through the technology that brings the problem to correct it. They have some very helpful material, XX Church. Um, shameless self-promotion. I did a couple of articles for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church's uh, officer publication, Ordained Servant, on the peril of pornography. I preached on that. That's available through sermonaudio.com. Uh, that's been found to be very helpful. I think the third reference uh, of the many things that are helpful, Ed Welch, Ed Welch's book, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, excellent book dealing with drug problems, alcohol problems, pornography problems, addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, excellent book for a men's study at a church or a ladies' study, too. Mm. Okay, that's very helpful. Yes, we do need to continue this discussion. We're out of time already today, and uh, today we've been talking about pornography. My guest is the Reverend Bill Shishko, senior pastor at the OPC Church, Franklin Square, Long Island. And, Bill, thank you so much for taking your time and and sharing with our listeners today. My honor, Dan. God's blessing on you and your labors. (laughs) And also, dear listener, please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of a plain answer. Receive from his nail-scarred hand.